Even if the Mariners sneak into the postseason, can 2023 be viewed as a disappointment for the team? Plus, what does the future of first base look like in Seattle? We'll discuss all that and more coming up here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, September 25th, 2023. This is Titan Gonzalez and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, and you'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. It is Mailbag Monday, the show where we answer your Mariners questions. Let's see what you want to know. We're going to start here with Linguini, who wants to know if we do still make the playoffs, would it still be fair to call this season a disappointment? We've seen a good amount of players making somewhat of an improvement, but for a team looking to take the next step, we really didn't. Colby, thoughts? Um, so I would say that this is one of those things where it's one of those things where like, it's really up to you. It's really up to interpretation because uh, if they miss the playoffs, obviously, yeah, that that's a, that's a really bad uh, season. That's a huge disappointment. Um, but if they make the playoffs and, you know, they go to the ALCS, they they get hot and they go to the ALCS, like nobody's calling that a disappointment anymore. So uh, it's kind of one of those things. Um, for me, it'd be a little bit tough to call it a disappointment if they get into the playoffs because they did compete for the division. They did clearly close the gap, uh, you know, between them and pretty much every other American League team. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think if they get in, it, it's it's still going to be disappointing because you had a shot to win the division and you just fell flat on your face. But uh, overall, it'd be tough to call the entire season a disappointment because you did see growth from J.P. Crawford and Cal Raleigh and, and Julio and uh, Logan Gilbert took another step forward. And a lot of the guys that you consider to be a part of your core going forward had really good years or, or at least, you know, really solid years. So uh, I, I don't know if I would call that a disappointment, uh, but this is one of those things where it's it's really up to you. Like it, it's a personal preference thing. Um, if you thought this team was going to win 100 games and, and cruise to the World Series, then yeah, it's disappointment. And then that's, mm-hmm. you know, probably more about you than anything else. But uh, it, it's totally up to you. If, if they win 88 games and they get to the playoffs and, and you know, they, they get bounced in round one or round two and you say that's that's a bad season, I I disagree. But, you know, it's it's not a hill I'm going to I'm going to die on. It's not something I'm going to fight you on because this mm-hmm. is a personal preference thing. This is like a this is how you how you feel like there, there's really not a ton to debate here. It's it's totally up for interpretation, how you want to interpret a season as a whole. Um, for me, they make the playoffs. I, I would struggle to characterize it as a disappointment. Um, but it, it certainly, um, I, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a, a step forward. So it, it's just kind of one of those things that there's some semantics involved. There's some personal definitions and all that stuff. So it's a really a uh, tricky question, but, uh, overall, I mean, it's your call. If you, if you're disappointed by how the season ends, then you're disappointed. Like, I'm not going to talk you out of it, but, 
uh, for me personally, they still make the playoffs and and then it's like, okay, like they didn't accomplish everything I wanted them to, but they gave themselves a shot. They put themselves in a position to make a run. And uh, if you do that consistently over the years, then you've got a good shot of, you know, eventually breaking through. But uh, yeah, this one, this one's all about personal preference or personal definitions. Right. It, it really does uh, depend a lot on what they do once they get into the dance. If they go on a run again, like you said, no one's going to be complaining. No one's going to say that this was a disappointment of a season because it really all that matters is that you get in. And what do you do once you get in? Um, but if they do get in and they're just one and done and they don't really look all that competitive like they have for most of the month of September, then a lot is going to ride on the regular season, at least for me and how I look back on this season and and the opportunities that they had in front of them that they really didn't take advantage of, whether it comes down to, you know, the month of September or what they did in the uh, first half of the season where they basically had to force themselves to have a historic month of August just to get back into the conversation here. And if they're not even able to finish that off after having that great great month of August, that's really, really disappointing. Uh, it's also disappointing from the standpoint of, you know, certain guys either regressing hard like Ty France and Eugenio Suarez or guys not really na- taking the next step right um that you were hoping for but there's also on the flip side of that there's jp taking the next step there's julio taking the next step i mean it took a while for julio in particular and especially when we look back on the first half of the season and what went wrong julio's kind of a big part of that that's an unavoidable you know part of that but uh overall i mean there's there's definitely some really good things to take from this season right and when we talk about this team getting into the dance they absolutely can go on a run right i think that they're not deep enough which we've talked about, which we've seen play out over the course of September. But we know what the upside of this team is when everything clicks. And so if everything clicks, once they get into the dance, they could definitely go on a run to the World Series. Absolutely. And if they do that, then who cares what happened during the regular season? Who cares what happened right. at the who cares what happened at the deadline? Who cares about any of mm-hmm. that? If they end up going and competing for a championship like we all want them to, I don't care what the journey looked like. Sure. Um, I will say this. A, I, I don't think there have been a lot of players who failed to take a step forward like we were hoping. So I'm not sure that really applies. It feels like everybody did about what we expect and then some from a few guys. But uh, also, I, I, I know we're not answering this question today, but I did see it thrown in there. Um, the idea that like, oh, wouldn't it just be better to not make the playoffs and just be disappointed at the end instead of going to the playoffs and getting like cut after just two games like wouldn't that be more heartbreaking why are you watching sports my man (laughs) like if if that's your if that's how you're thinking like Mm. would i rather not go to the playoffs just because i think i might get swept in round one are you insane like we watch this team not make the playoffs for 21 years and it the first sign of trouble of them not making the playoffs again it's like oh do we even really want to go seek help if you're asking that question either out loud or to yourself, you're nuts. The answer is, of course, you want to make the playoffs. Don't be stupid. Of course, you want to make the playoffs, even if you think that you're probably going to get swept by Minnesota or whoever. Of course you do. Don't be dumb. Come on, guys. Right. Uh, on the step forward conversation, I'm more so talking about guys like Ty France. I would like to have seen him obviously take a step forward. Instead, he took like 10 steps back this year. Uh, right. You but- know. If if he was as expected, like you'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Like it, it's not like you sure. needed Ty France to be more than he was to win the divi- more than he was last year to really have a good shot to win the division. He just took a step back, and then I don't know. I did, I never counted Ty France as part of that. Like 
Mm. Oh, he could find another gear. It's like, mm, I feel like we know who Ty I Prince is. I feel like is. we talked about that during the offseason, but whatever. Yeah, but whatever. I feel I feel like I said, I feel like we know what his ceiling is, and we probably saw it last year. Probably, yeah. All right, but, let's get to uh, Reggie's question here. He asks, uh, or they asked, rather, uh, which decision was worse, not starting Kelnick on Saturday or leaving Edward Bizzardo in when down by only two runs on Sunday? Yeah. Uh, the worst decision was actually keeping Wu in the game to start the fourth and then keeping him sure. in the game after he gave up the home run to Garcia and then keeping him in the game after he gave up more hard contact and then keeping him in the game until Leotis pretty much put this game out of reach because you had to have known that your bullpen wasn't going to be able to shut it down, particularly if you're going to go to Bizarro for a second inning uh, after the Mariners have closed the gap. So to me, that one's worse. I thought Scott had a terrible game on Sunday. Um, I don't think he pulled a lot of the right levers and, uh, Kelnick should be playing every single day. Uh, there's really no debate about that. He had a, an incredible series uh, yeah. in Texas. In fact, Kelnick probably should be hitting one, two, or three in this next series because he he's having the type of at bats that you wish Julio would have. He's not forcing anything. He's not chasing anything. He's you know taking his walks and when they make a mistake, he's finding a way to hit it hard and all that stuff. Like Jared is is stepping up in the way that you kind of wanted. Gino, Ty, Julio, like those guys who didn't have great series in Texas. He's doing what they what we wanted them to do. Uh so he should be in the lineup every day. And and Montgomery is a good lefty, but who cares? Kelnick hits lefties. Like this isn't a thing. And and it's not like Dylan Moore is like crushing lefties right now. It's not like Sam Haggerty is crushing lefties. So I didn't think Scott had a very good weekend. Uh, to be perfectly blunt, yeah. but the the pitching decisions he made on Sunday, I think cost them a, a really good shot to win that game. Um, and they still could have. They they were one hit away. Uh, kind of a common theme recently for the Mariners. One good hit away with guys in scoring position to win a game, and they couldn't get it, but that's all set up because he let Wu go for about four or five more hitters than he should have, and he let Bizarro go back out there when clearly it was time to, for a shutdown inning, and we can, we can close this gap and we can keep the momentum and he didn't do that. So I, I think ultimately Sunday is worse than what Scott did Saturday, but none of it was particularly good in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer here. I would go with Bizarro, but on the thing with Kelnick on Saturday as well, I mean, you you actually, like your pitching actually held up on Saturday and then you just couldn't score. Like you weren't yeah. able to get both at any particular point in the series. Um, and I, I think, you know, if Jerry Kelnick is in the lineup on Saturday, Maybe it doesn't make a total difference to the point where you you wind up winning, but it gives you a better shot because look, I get playing the matchups. I get if you know you don't think that Jared uh, is a is is good for going up against Jordan Montgomery, whatever. Totally can wrap my head around that in a vacuum. But when your alternative options are Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty, no, play Keltic. Absolutely play Jared Keltic. So yeah, uh, I agree. I didn't think that Scott had a good weekend, and we we talked about. On Thursday, you know, how does Scott Service maneuver this? And we laid out some things that we would like to see, and I don't think he accomplished really any of those things. So, yeah, that was really disappointing. All right, we got a few more questions coming up here on Mailbag Monday. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mirrors podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. Need fresh groceries for the week but don't have the time to go to the store? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them 
them yourself. And with easy substitutions right in the app and best in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code locked on MLB. Don't forget that's promo code locked on MLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. I have no idea why I look so green in that ad read. Anyway, welcome back to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. The Mariners and the Astros start their three-game series. Massive, massive three-game series tonight at T-Mobile Park. Uh, Thankfully, due to the Kansas City Royals being utterly annoying once again, uh, the Mariners are still in this thing. They're still in this thing. There you go. You got the Monarchs hat on. Yeah, we're, we're representing today. So, uh, yeah, you can catch all the action on the Mayor's Hometown broadcast, Sirius XMB, the SXM app. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we will certainly see how it goes. All right, let's get back into these questions. Tate wants to know, if the Mariners find a way to sneak into the postseason, do you still think they can do damage with their pitching staff struggles and offensive inconsistency? Yeah, pretty much touched upon this during the last segment. But again, we we know what the upside of this team is when things click, even with how uh, they're just not deep, right? Like, I, I think that's an unavoidable fact here is that they're just not that deep, especially on the offensive end and in the bullpen and in the rotation. Uh, but the thing here is, like, if you get in into the dance, first two rounds, like, if you get into the wild card, if you make your way into the ALDS, you're probably you're I mean you're definitely not throwing Brian Wu and you're probably not throwing Bryce Miller either so that improves your chances quite a bit uh the bullpen is still a little sketchy and again how are you going to score runs are you going to get enough from the top of your lineup and if you don't is someone in the bottom of your lineup or the middle of your lineup going to step up that's really the big question there but again when things click I mean we saw it in the month of August when things click this team can beat anyone this team can absolutely go on a run into the alcs into the world series do i think that's going to happen absolutely the hell not after what i've seen for the last three weeks but i'm open-minded to it i know that's a possibility sure i mean look at what teams like the 2021 atlanta braves did they won like 85 games snuck into the playoffs they won the world series you look at what the phillies did uh, last year where you know they kind of snuck in they didn't win 90 games and, and they just got hot and they rode it all the way to the world series so um yeah they certainly can because again the mariners do things that typically you have to do well in the playoffs to advance you have to pitch and you have to hit home runs and the mariners pretty good at those things um but you know obviously that that's a risky business because if you don't get one of those two things you probably lose. And that's just kind of the the formula for winning in the postseason is the team that does those two things the best for a three week stretch typically wins the World Series. So, um, yes, they're they're still a threat uh, if they get in, which, again, eh, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, of course, they're still a threat, because like you said, for the first couple of series, it's, you know, it, it's Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert in some order. Uh, maybe on short rest, but you got to do what you got to do. And so, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. And then at that point too, you're also probably not giving Bizarro. I mean, Bizarro's probably not making the, the playoff roster, but like you're probably not asking Bizarro to go a second inning. You're probably asking Matt Brash to go a second inning instead, or, or Munoz or Topa or Spire, or somebody you have a little more faith in. So um, yeah, you kind of pare everything down and, and guys don't get used. Like Jose Caballero's not getting a start in the playoffs. He's coming off the bench to steal you a bag. Like that's his entire role. So yeah, you kind of pare things down. You're not worried about resting guys. There are built-in days off every couple of days in the playoffs. So you just roll your best out there consistently and, and go with it. And, and yeah, the Mariners have a depth problem, but depth doesn't always come into play uh, in the, uh, in the playoffs. If you have, you know, the right guys sitting at the right time, uh, because then after that, it, your depth is just rolls. It's, you know, who can steal me a bag, who can play shortstop, mm-hmm. who, who can, you know, go and play the outfield for me if, if, you know, I have to pinch run or, or pinch hit for somebody. It's stuff like that. So yeah, they could absolutely make a run. Um, but based on how they played the last three weeks to a month, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but it's certainly possible. Yeah, I would say this, that I don't think that uh, this past weekend is necessarily indicative of how a, a playoff series would go, as even against the, the Rangers, right, specifically, um, because the, the situations are so different, right, are so vastly different, and the way that Scott Service would manage those situations are vastly different to how he you know, did on, on, on the weekend as well. I mean, you know, again, on Sunday or on Thursday, we talked about how he needed to manage that series like it was the playoffs, but you can't do it one for one. You know, you can't bring in Luis Castillo in the eighth inning of a game to get you three outs or two outs or whatever, right? But in the playoffs, you can, right? And in the playoffs, again, you're not throwing Brian Wu and you're probably not throwing Bryce Miller, at least in the first two rounds of the postseason. So uh, given all of those things, yeah, I think you're better positioned to have success uh, compared to, you know, how you were going into this past weekend. But uh, again, they have to they have to get hot. And they need guys to step up, and and that's really again because they're just they're not deep enough. So you need the top end of your roster to really carry this thing, or you need something completely unexpected to happen. And I would lean towards the former happening rather than the uh, the latter. But uh, but yeah. All right. Next question here comes from Jace. How different slash not different do things look today if Tom Murphy doesn't get hurt? Mostly in the context of him getting more of those at bats that uh, more Caballero, Cal, et cetera, are getting versus lefties. I mean, it, it might be like a win difference, maybe. But, um, you know, Murph, after he was hitting really well, he was starting to teeter off just a little bit. Um, and, at the end of the day we're talking about a a backup catcher um i know for a while there he was like your third best hitter especially during the like the trip to arizona and all that like he was hitting very very well um but is that sustainable right uh how much is he actually going to get into the lineup um and what does that do specifically for cal raleigh right i think that's the other thing that we have to look at here is like what does that extra rest that that cal would theoretically get here by having murphy still on the roster do for him would that be reflected in the numbers at all in a positive way um because then if we're talking about that if that is also the case here then maybe it's a two-win difference right maybe it's a win from having murphy in the lineup over someone like sam Haggerty, you know because Haggerty has DH'd a couple of times over the last three weeks. So if it if that's instead Murphy, uh, how much does that help you? How much of a boost is that? 
And then how much is a boost of a more rested, more well-rested Cal Raleigh? Uh, but those are yeah. all hypotheticals, right? Uh, if I had to guess, it's probably like a one to one and a half win difference at most. I'd say probably a little bit less than a win, but like a win max. And honestly, it, it it's not even close to the type of impact that would have happened if Ty France was just good Ty France. And right. if A. Eugenio was just good A. Eugenio uh during any stretch of this last month if they had just been that guy for a week and you know ty had a pretty decent series um uh, in in texas uh minus the friday game but you know but uh, if, you, if you just got you know just good tie france for a week at any stretch this month you yeah. probably have more wins than if you had a healthy tom murphy if you had to pick one or the other um right. so yeah this is about you know dom can's own kind of eh, not really doing a ton. This is about yeah. Dylan Moore. This is more about the guys who are here than it is about the guys who aren't. Right. Um, so yeah, it's tough to say, but I, I would say it's probably a win at most, uh, which is pretty big right now. But I, I also think yeah. that's like if you really try to stretch things, you can maybe make it a win. There's a lot of mental gymnastics that you have to do yeah. here to convince yourself that it's anything more than a win to one and a half at most like because again a lot of it is like what is a you know well-rested cal raleigh give you and all that stuff so yeah you just go further and further down the rabbit hole and there's nothing good that really comes of that there's nothing you know there's no real point in doing that but uh but yeah i think it would have made a you know a, an obvious positive impact i mean there's nothing negative to take from uh, from tom murphy still being on your roster uh but really you know what this comes down to is like what what i talked about on thursday's episode that you know all four of your top hitters are probably not going to click all at once so who else is going to step up beyond beyond those guys right and no one's really stepping up right now beyond those guys i mean jared did jared did on the weekend but they weren't he you know he obviously didn't play on saturday and the pitching was so bad that even a couple of pretty solid offensive performances on friday and sunday were not enough to overcome that so yeah all right we got a few more questions to go over here in just a moment but first a reminder this episode of locked on Mariners podcast is brought to you by sleeper all right folks the mlb playoffs are right around the corner which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball pick more or less on stats for your favorite players like home runs hits strikeouts and more for up to a 100 times payout on sleeper get your picks right and you could win big my friend if things didn't go well in your home league this year, no worries. You can still salvage the fantasy baseball season over at Sleeper. There you can pick the players you want and call your shot. And when you use the promo code Locked On, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, you'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Again, you can catch the Astros and the Mariners starting their three-game series tonight. We're at T-Mobile Park on the Mariners' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. Let's get back into these questions here. We got one from Cobbs who wants to know, has Ty France really been that good defensively to justify not getting platooned even just a little bit? Or do they just not trust any of our bench guys to play for a space at all? I wonder if more days off for Ty would have helped his season totals at all. First base defense does not matter in the grand scheme of things here. I need someone who can hit out of that position, first and foremost. I don't care if they're terrible defensively. I need someone who can hit because even a terrible first baseman isn't going to kill me at the end of the day like that. At least it should. 
it shouldn't. Uh, so yeah, I don't care about Ty France's defense. I heard Dave Sims, you know, mention that on the broadcast over the weekend and be like, you know, Ty's really struggling at the play, but at least he's been nails defensively. I don't care. Who cares? Who cares yeah. about that? I do not give a single flying you know what about first base defense. I don't care. So Ty France should not be starting every game. It should be Mike Ford. It really should. And Ford's been fine at first base. It's been fine. Mm-hmm. Like it I just it blows my mind why they keep on pushing the envelope here with Ty France. Yeah. Um, you know, the first base defense, even like Evan White, right? Like he's kind of the gold standard. You say, oh, you take a little less offensively because he's so good. First of all, Ty France isn't even in Evan White's league defensively. So start there. But even that, if Evan White was hitting 220, 290, 380, whatever, or whatever, like with his, you know, platinum glove defense, he still wouldn't be an everyday first baseman in Major League Baseball because the defense isn't that valuable. Uh, France. He doesn't need to get all the, he doesn't need to get every at bat. I get why they're doing it because like they, they feel like, you know, if we do catch something here, like he is significantly better than anybody else we could throw out there and they're right, but we're 150 some odd games in at this stage. Like what are the odds that he's catching something, you know, this late in the year, probably not very good. Now, again, he was pretty good this weekend, better at bats hit the ball hard more, more frequently. So that's good. Um, but yeah, you know, he should be in there against lefties. That's totally fine. I get not using Mike Ford against lefties. Um, but yeah, there are certain situations where like, even if it's lefty on lefty, you need a home run. Mike Ford should be getting those at bats because he's more likely to run into one than Ty is. Um, so yeah, uh, his defense is nowhere near enough to prevent Mike Ford from being in the lineup a little bit down the stretch here, but I feel like that ship has sailed in the meantime. So um, it feels like if they were going to do some kind of platoon at first base. They would have done it a few weeks ago when things started to slide a little bit and there was no sign of life from Ty France. And, and now there is a little bit. And, and I feel like they've kind of, you know, that's their guy and they're going to go to the grave with him and just yeah. kind of see how it goes. But uh, yeah, they should have started this a few weeks ago. Again, they should have gone out and gotten somebody like Mark Hanna um to kind of protect yourselves from a struggling yeah. Ty France who has even been even worse in September from Mike Ford regressing which has happened like yeah we know that they needed to the the idea that like they could replace Ty France like they had Ty France's like bad Ty France at bats covered in their in their system after the deadline was not accurate at all and obviously can zone is is not somebody they trust at first base in the slightest right now so mm. um yeah i probably should have done it a few weeks ago at this stage. I think you're just kind of locked in and, and you're just kind of hoping that you catch fire uh, with, with France uh, for, you know, for the next week. And right. Maybe you do, but I like, I don't know why I like, why would I start Ty France against Verlander tonight? I wouldn't, I would start Mike Ford. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Especially against righties. Why isn't Mike Ford in the lineup over France? I mean, I know, you know, on some occasions it might be both are in the lineup, but if I have to pick one or the other, no brainer. Ten, uh, 10 times out of 10, I'm picking Mike Ford right now in that right. scenario. So, And then I guess it comes down to, do, do you trust Dom Canzone or do you trust Ty France? Because you could just put Ford at DH. Yeah. Or you put um, Ford at first base and then DH is, can be Canzone or it could be France. And it seems pretty clear to me, at least, that the Mariners have made it abundantly clear that they're not quite willing to trust Dom Canzone a hundred percent because he barely played this weekend, even against a couple righties. So 
Yeah. yeah. I don't blame them for that either because we've talked about Canzone quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah. Has some big moments. Certainly has a lot of upside. Uh, yeah. I believe in the bat long term, but he has not been that guy this year. Yeah. Well, and with the way that we've seen them, you know, just like you said, go to the grave with Ty France here. This is why I've been telling you for the last couple of months when you've brought up the the possibility of non-tendering them during the offseason. I just I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, maybe that changes. You know, maybe they will once they have uh, more avenues to uh, replace him. Uh, maybe they see that differently, but I just right now I can't envision Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander just completely washing their hands of Ty France this offseason. I think they're going to give it at least a few more months uh, next season, but we'll see. Uh, speaking of, we have a question about that from Mudcat Grant. If this is Ty's last year, and Mudcat Grant mentions, I don't think it will be. I think he gets at least until next trade deadline. I agree. Uh, and he is replaced inside the organization. Who do you want to see get a shot at first? Robert Perez, Tyler Locklear, Dominic Canzone, Spencer Packard, Warmoth. Uh, no way Laz is ready by July, right? Uh, yeah, no way that Laz is ready by July or next year at all, or maybe even 2025. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the logical choice would be be probably not Canzone for all the reasons that you just mentioned Colby and Canzone looks like he's probably a platoon hitter until he proves otherwise uh it's probably Tyler Locklear then he's the closest he has the highest upside of the guys that you mentioned um mm-hmm. it's not ideal Let's, you need to go out and get someone well, that actually is be, proven at the major league level but yeah, yeah if I had to pick one of those guys here. the answer is none of the above yeah it has to be yeah um but yeah if you're picking one it's Locklear. yeah and that's where like you were saying like the mariners could like give ty france one off season kind of fix things you know work on a swing make some changes yeah. give him the first couple of months and it just so happens that if you get to june like 15 or whatever and france is a league average bat again then that would be roughly in theory the amount of time you would need to see Locklear go out there and hit at double A and, and feel kind of good about it. And remember the Mariners aren't afraid to jump guys from double A straight to the big leagues, uh, hitter or pitcher. So, um, yeah, Locklear is the, the only guy that you even listed there that is going to be major league ready aside from Canzone. But they've, again, they've been pretty clear. Like we've seen how ugh, iffy Canzone is in the outfield yeah. and the Mariners still don't want to play him at first base. They might not think that's a possibility at all. Uh, so I don't, we'll, we'll see how that goes in spring training. Uh, they decide to play him over there a little bit, but yeah, internally, if it's not Ty France, it's, it's, there's only one option. So yeah, yeah. that's why the correct answer has to be, you have to go outside of your org and you have to get somebody at the very least, you have to go get a Mark Hanna. You have to go get a JD Davis. You have to get somebody who yeah. can go stand at first base. And if, you know, if they could play somewhere else along the way, great, but yeah. you have to protect yourself from Ty France and, you can't have Ty France and a 100 WRC plus and then have the backup plan be like, oh, yeah, no, we'll just trust Tyler Locklear to come up and give us 120 Yeah, no. as a rookie. No. Yeah. Uh, the other option here could be a Eugenio Suarez, but also given his defense at third base, why would, would you want to move him off of third base if he's still going to be a part of this thing next year? And I think 100%, at least one of these guys, France or Suarez, is going to be a part of it in 2024. I, I would be very, very surprised if they moved off of both or even one to be honest with you i'd be pretty surprised if they even moved off of one of them all right last question of the day here comes from mariners jersey tracker more of a colby question but rank your favorite from best to worst bunting the contact play 
Ty France being your first baseman next year. Um, my favorite from best to worst. So, like, which one of these do I hate the least? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be a, that would be a better way to word it. I I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one I'd hate the least would be Ty France being the first baseman next year because like we're not that far off from France being like a 120 WRC plus guy, which is all we need uh, right. from the first base spot. So if they if, like, if that's their plan and they're like, okay, and we're going to have Locklear come up, but, but we're also going to go sign Mark Canna, or we're going to go sign Donovan Solano, or we're going to go sign, or we're going to go trade for JD Davis or whoever, right? Somebody who could legitimately play first base mm-hmm. and be at least an above average bat. Like then, yeah, I could, I could make that work in my head. Like, okay, I get it. It's not what I would do, but I get it. Um, the contact play is probably the thing I hate second most or mm-hmm. second least, I guess it's in the middle. It's in the middle. So it's either way. <laughs> Like I despise the contact play. It's stupid. These are professionals. Like the idea that you're going to get, you know, a gold glove third baseman to throw the ball away when he's got to throw it 80 feet before your guy can run 90 feet from a dead stop. Like that's stupid. That's stupid. You gotta, like, you gotta make a guy play, make a play Colby. They're going to make it. Yeah. They're like going 99% to make it. of the time. They're going to make it. They're going to make that play. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, number one is still bunting because despite everybody's rhetoric and, and all this and, you know, common baseball, there is no such thing as a productive out. All outs are bad. The only productive out is if you hit a sacrifice fly to win the game. There's the one like you scored a run and it won you the game. That is the productive out because otherwise with the way strikeouts are right now, with the way that pop-ups are right now, it is harder than ever to get a hit in major league baseball. And moving a guy from first to second where you still need a hit to score that guy is pointless because now you've given yourself two less opportunities to do it. The bunt is 99.9999999% of the time. Stupid. It's yeah. beyond stupid. If you don't think that guy at the play can get a hit, get him out of there and get somebody in there you think can. It's really that simple. Like, oh, well, I have to have Sam Haggerty hit here. Like, he's got a bump because I don't trust him to get a hit. It's like, then go to Dylan Moore, go to Mike Ford, go to somebody you think can get a hit because you're much more likely to hit a double than you are to have, first of all, the bunt be successful, right? And even if it is, you still have now two less opportunities to score that guy than you did when he was just on first or when he was on second with nobody mm-hmm. out. Like, it's beyond stupid. The bunt is forever the dumbest thing that yeah. baseball teams still do. It's moronic. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's like it's like in the NFL if you're like you know what first and second down only we don't need third down we're gonna punt on every third down even third and inches that's what we're gonna do it's the same same idea yeah. you're a moron that's a chance to score and you're just ripping it out and typically what's even worse is a lot of the times there will be first and second nobody out and the pitcher will be struggling he's either giving up a couple hits or he's giving up a couple walks and they just go here you go here's a free out. Take it. And if it's, if it's a good bunt, then you just need a strikeout or you need a base hit because we're just going to bring our infield in. The ground ball is not going to win, not going to score this guy. You need a base hit or you need a deep fly ball against mm-hmm. this really good pitcher. Like it's so stupid, guys. Yeah. There, I have seen zero good bunts. By the way, bunting for hits with guys on with runner on second base, that is stupid too and incredibly selfish. You want to try to bunt for a hit with nobody on? Like, fine, whatever. Like they're shifting you fine. Like, whatever. Bunting for a hit is different than sacrifice bunting. Sacrifice bunting is moronic basically every single time it happens. I'll let you guys know when I don't think a bunt is stupid, but 
rest assured, if you see somebody turn square up to try and bunt over the next seven days, I think it's stupid. Well, yeah, and the the frustrating thing ultimately here is like what Ryan Divish is currently dealing with with a lot of his Twitter followers, where they're like, they should have JP bunt or Julio bunt. Are you serious? Like, look, I know that they they didn't you know come through and uh, in a couple of clutch moments, uh, particularly against the Dodgers, right? But n- under no circumstance was like was I feeling like they needed to bunt in that situation they just needed to execute better they just needed to put the bat on the ball and create quality contact but asking guys asking the top of your order and specifically asking guys who don't bunt at all to suddenly do something that they never do is wildly dumb why like galaxy brain stupid yeah yeah so bunning discourse is really stupid but (laughs) julio's more likely to hit a home run then he is. Then it. Then it. That's more likely to happen than if Julio lays down a bunt and the next guy gets a hit. You're much yeah. more likely to just hope Julio hits a home run. Your odds are better. So yeah, bunting is stupid. And you know what? If you're a youth baseball coach and you're teaching your kids how to bunt, stop. You're not teaching them a reliable skill. Stop it. It's not that big of a deal. It's little league baseball. They don't need to know how to bunt. Let them swing the bat. Yeah. Bunting should be at something that we kill off. Like. I don't know what's something we've killed off recently. Like dial up internet. Like sure. that is what the bunt should be. Like get rid of it forever. If you're still right. using it, you're a dinosaur. Right. Join the 20th century. Yeah, that's right. I meant I meant that the 20th century. Stop bunting. It's stupid. Bunting, at all levels. Bunting is the MySpace of baseball activities. I mean, at least MySpace had some use at any point. Sure. Bunting was always a bad idea. It just took people a long time to realize it. Yeah. Uh, well, also, it's like, all right, if you're going up against the Twins, and this is the last point that I'll have here, but it, like, if you're late in the game against the Twins and Johan Duran is throwing 104, you really think anyone's <laughs> landing a successful bunt against that? Really? Come on. Yeah. No. All right. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us. Uh, you can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. I almost said the same thing twice. It's been a you know a few days we off. get it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whatever. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the Astros on the Mariners Hometown Broadcast tonight. Sirius XM via the SXM app. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. We all get it. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.